You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We're continuing on in our sermon series called The Cast of Christmas. We talked about the prof, a little bit about the prophets. Adam talked about the angels last week, and this week we're talking about the shepherds. We have this, the real stars of the Christmas story. When you think about it, we have Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and we have this stunning location in this beautiful place called Bethlehem, six miles from Jerusalem, in a premier location in Bethlehem, in a manger. Sounds like a, a, a cast, a, a story that's just riveting, right? And then you have these uh, supporting uh, uh, cast, these uh, prophets and shepherds and magi, which we'll talk about next week, and, and angels. And I asked this morning in our morning uh, group meeting that we have with all of the folks that are making this service happen, I asked them, you know, have you been a part of a play before, a Christmas play? And what was your role in that play? And what were you, you know, you think about the roles that you're hoping to get in as you think about plays and people want the leads and to be a big part of the story. And for many of us, we wouldn't pick the shepherds role. Like, oh, those guys, the shepherds. And so today we're going to learn a little bit more about shepherds. And then I want you to think about what would your choice be? What role would you want to play in the birth of Jesus as we think about this story. What is a shepherd? So a shepherd uh, is a person who herds or tends or guards sheep. Makes sense. Um, A person who protects and guides or watches over a person or a group of people, a member of the clergy. So wow, does that mean that you could possibly already have been cast in the role of a shepherd? Do you watch over someone and not lord over them and watch over them as like you're looking down on them, but do you care and protect and guide someone? Chances are that you will. Now, there's a couple different kinds of shepherds uh, that would be around in the first century. Uh, there would be these nomadic shepherds, and you think about those people, and they're just moving to where where the sheep can go and get taken care of and, and eat and do those things. And then there's like village shepherds that would be in the general area of a certain village or a town, uh, and they would uh, go back to their, their home. They're not setting up camp and tearing down camp every time. Um, and so when you think about shepherds, there's different kinds of shepherds. Now, shepherds were not the high-class occupation that most of us would choose. They were not viewed... Uh, highly uh, in biblical terms, even as far back as Genesis. You go into Genesis uh, 46. This is kind of the first mention of shepherds. And uh, it's talking about when Pharaoh calls you in and asks, uh, um, when Pharaoh calls you in, this is talking about his family coming in, and he says, what is your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. See, there's this battle between farmers and shepherds for a long time. Actually, one of the first murders, the first murder we see in the Bible had to deal with a farmer and a shepherd, Cain and Abel. Keep your sheep out of my farmland. And actually, God designed it where the farmland needs the sheep, and they need something from the sheep. Fertilizer. And so when you think about shepherds in this context, shepherds are low of the low. They are not thought of highly. One of the quotes I had found um, 
was in, it says this, on almost all Christmas presentations, there's a picture of the shepherds there. How many people have shepherds with their manger at home? And your little figurines, right? You have shepherds there. And they're off to the side, usually. They're frightened by the angels, sudden appearance, and they wondered at the good news from the angel, and they rushed to Bethlehem to see the born Savior. And then they return to their flocks, and they praise God, and they tell all these people that they met about this, the birth of Emmanuel, that God is with us. So they're message bearers. And then when they're done with spreading these good tidings, uh, they kind of exit stage left, and hardly another, another thought is given to them. They're either there just like as a decorations or a side piece because the center of what's going on here is this baby in a manger, right? But why did the announcement come to shepherds? If you're six miles away from Jerusalem, Jerusalem is still the main site for the three largest world religions, or three, three world religions, not largest, Judaism isn't the largest, but the Jews claim the site, the Muslims claim the site, and the Christians still to this day claim the site. It's six miles away from Bethlehem. Why not be revealed with a, in the palace? Why not be revealed in the, this is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. This is the biggest deal that's going to ever hear. The we are, you know, who was king in 200 AD? Nobody knows. Nobody cares anymore. Because Jesus Christ is on the throne. So why would he be announced in such a way with people who are of such low status? Shepherds then were despised in everyday life. They were generally considered second class and untrustworthy and some of the Jew, uh, Jewish written records, the oral law, uh, they would talk, to, talk about shepherds as incompetent. They even said, another says, no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. Don't worry about those people. Shepherds were deprived of civil rights. They could not fill, fulfill judicial offices or be admitted in court as witnesses because they were just the lowest of low. To buy wool or milk or, any, or anything from a shepherd, uh, it was forbidden because it was kind of assumed that it was stolen. Yet, the Savior is revealed to shepherds. These shepherds would be on the bottom rung of society, right next to tax collectors and dung collectors. That's poo-poo. Yet, as you look into the text and you start uh, seeing what the text says about shepherds and you start just, you can Google that up and say, you know, Bible, biblical shepherds. You see things about David as a shepherd. You see things that Jesus says about himself. Jesus in John 10 verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead of our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of sheep. So how surprising and significant that the Father chose to reveal himself to the lowly, unpretentious shepherds to first hear about the joyous news. It's a boy. He is the Messiah. He is the one we've been waiting for. Do you understand what a shepherd was in Jesus' time? 
we're going to reveal ourselves to these folks first, and they get to go proclaim the good news of Jesus, what does that mean for you and I? Let's back out of the shepherd talk for a second and let's get on location and on site of where we are. So let's go ahead and throw this map up. Great map right here, by the way. As you can see on the left side where the coast is, this is called the, 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 coastal, the coastal region. It's flat uh, and it works its way up into the, the lower hills where you can see kind of where the word Samaria is there. And you'll see that. And then continuing to move up. And then you get to uh, Bethlehem, which is kind of at this crest. And if you kept going down, you would get down into the Rift Valley, which is the lowest point on earth. So giving you some topography. So when the, the text says that they like, went from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem, you're like, cool. This is like a 20-minute car ride or what? Like this is a journey. Nazareth at the very top up there to Bethlehem. Now, if we could just get in a plane and fly it, it'd be like 65 miles as the crow flies all over mountains and you would land in the beautiful Bethlehem airport. You would not. So uh, it's going to take them some time to get there and we don't know how far along Mary was or what, you know, there's some assumptions that, it's amazing how many assumptions I've made about the Christmas story that I think I'm like, whoa, I better be careful. That's not, that might not be accurate. But we don't know how, long, how far along Mary was, but we do know that most likely is about a 90-mile journey on foot to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, why are they going to the house of bread, which is what Bethlehem means? Why are they going there? Well, this fulfills scripture. We talked about the prophets, and they said where the line would come from and that Jesus would be born in, in Bethlehem through the house of David, and that was David's father was from Jesse, or Jesse was from Bethlehem. And so when you think about this journey, we are in the house of bread. Doesn't, I think Jesus calls himself something about bread. Doesn't he not call himself the bread of life? And wouldn't that be really cool if he was born in the place that was the house of bread? Now, why is it the house of bread? It's six miles away from Jerusalem. And so it's six miles away from Jerusalem, but it's some pretty awesome farmland, and it's awesome farmland for, for wheat and barley. And so in this area is where they would be tending to wheat and barley. They named the town kind of after the area. And we do that the same thing in America. Sometimes we'll name a town after what it can produce or what it can actually, what it actually has. Just like Moscow. I'm just kidding. So let's get into the text. And we're going to read the whole story and jump into this piece of the text about the birth of Jesus and the role of the shepherds here. So let's go ahead and join with me, if you will. We're in Luke. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken place in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph has to go to his own town to register, and his own town is in Bethlehem. So they got to get booking and get on this 90-mile journey to go register in Bethlehem. And there would be a lot of people. If everybody had to go back to their hometown, your hometown would get busy. And so there's a lot of people there. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. He did go up. So Nazareth, uh, Nazareth is going to sit about 1,100 feet above sea level. And Bethlehem is about our elevation. It's like 23, 2,400 feet above sea level. And so, yes, it is accurate that he went from Nazareth up to Bethlehem. Uh, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Amen. Thank you for the prophecy being fulfilled. Next. 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. We know part of that story. Next, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, the firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no uh, guest room available for them. So there's a whole discussion on this guest room thing. It's interesting. I know we go to this well often, but I'm going to encourage everyone in here to go to the walkinthetextwebsite.com and listen to the first three messages that they have this year on uh, the Christmas story. And you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, enjoy those messages. You'll be like, hey, he said stuff that he said. Yes, and they said something that somebody else said and back and forth. But it's really cool. And it really will open up some things for you about Christmas, about the date of Christmas and the time and the seasons and the, uh, the agricultural calendar and some different places in there. I, it will, it'll open your eyes to a new way to view the Christmas story. So I'm going to encourage you guys to do that. It's not in your notes, but it's our friend Brad Gray at walkingthetext.com, Okay. Three 20-minute messages, and you'll, you'll understand quite a bit more about this. All right. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Well, that's good that they would keep watch over their flocks at night, and they would be out in the fields doing what? Can, the, can you be out? Hey, we have farmers here, right? So uh, how would you feel if I took my Polaris razor that I don't own, and I was like, these fields are awesome, and you had planted your winter wheat and the snow hadn't come up there, and I just took off, and I was doing jumps, yeah, and I was just tearing up the fields and cruising through there. How would that make you feel? You would not appreciate me being in the fields at a certain time messing up your future crop, right? Well, the, the farmers felt the same way about this, so this really helps with your timeline when you look at this, and will kind of mess with some of your Christmas dates. Don't worry about it. It's okay. About when the shepherds would have been in the fields, And so the shepherds are in the field and they're watching over their flocks at night, which is good. And an angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified because you're always scared when you see an angel in the Bible. You should be. Uh, But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you, you and Galeon. I bring you this great news. Now, good news was was brought up that word, uh, uh, you and Galeon, the gospel or good news was brought up whenever there was a new king. And where there's a new king, that means there's a new kingdom. And this news, this good news will cause great joy for everybody. Even today, it will cause great joy for you. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of uh, heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to into heaven, the shepherds said to, to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. There's something really, just, they were like it exited so fast because there was something so cool that was happening. You're just like, it doesn't matter. Just the house stays where it is. The stuff is on there. Like it'll be that way when my daughter has, uh, has our first grandchild. I'm pretty sure. Like Carrie, I'm just like, she's going to be not valuable to the church in February because she is going to be the crazy grandma. And like when we hear the, the moment that that baby could be coming, be gone. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Well, how did they find them in all of Bethlehem? Well, Bethlehem's this giant village of 500 to 1,000 people. And it's a pretty tight village, and people are going to know who's having a baby, specifically a baby boy. And so they go, and they find this baby boy lying in a manger. Brad Gray stuff on manger. You're going to love it. When they uh, had seen him, they, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Why would all of these people be amazed at what these low-class people would be saying? Why would they care? But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they've been told. The good, there's good news. There's a new king. There's a new kingdom. So why does it matter? Why, why would the shepherds care about this? Why do the shepherds care? Do you understand that there's been 400 years, they call them the silent years, but I would say they were the more quiet years. There's been 400 years of not really hearing from prophets. There's been domination of rulers. They're currently under the oppression of the Roman rule. A harsh, harsh, oppressing time. Herod is up there doing his thing. He's crazy. He's won favor of these Romans. All of these things. They are looking. They know their Bible. They know their text because there's no Netflix. Like it is their Netflix. They're like, did you see the most recent episode of Isaiah? What? What happened? Did you see the most recent episode? Like they know their text and they are looking for the Messiah. They are looking for the Savior. They care that he's coming because they are oppressed. They are in pain. They are in a difficult time. They knew the story. Now, back to my original question about the cast and which cast person you would want to be in this story. Be Mary. You want to be Joseph. You want to be the the prophets. You want to be the wise men. You know what you are? You're a shepherd. You are a good shepherd. You have a responsibility. If you know who Jesus Christ is and you've claimed him as your Lord and Savior, by the way, we got to have a baptism on Thursday night. Thursday, some of you missed it. There was someone here. Somebody accepted the Lord and we baptized them on Thursday night. They came into relationship with Jesus. If you know Jesus and you've heard this thing about some good news that's not a religion, it's not something to suck you into something, it's not something to take from you, it's something that you get and you get, there's so much of it that you get to give it away. And the shepherds go out and they start telling the good news. This morning as I was rewriting this message because it was not the best on Thursday and my team was very kind enough to tell me that. I was like, Lord, tell me, what do you want for your people? What do you want me to tell them then? Because what I wanted to tell them didn't go over well. What do you want? And interesting enough, he took me to this passage in First Peter, it's not in your notes because I didn't know I was going to talk about it on Thursday. 
to the elders and the flock. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, add witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Oh, yeah, I put it on the screen. Cool. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording over those entrusted to you, but being an example, examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, the one who is shepherding over all of us, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. You don't even get to choose what role you're going to play in this story. Not if you're a Christian. Not in my mind. You are a shepherd. Go back to the definition of shepherd. It's somebody who protects, oversees, and takes care of a person. So in your family, ladies and gentlemen, men and women, mom and dad, you're a shepherd. You're overseeing, you're protecting, you're taking care of the flock that God has given you within your very own family. And as you grow up, our young college folks, and you may be in a fraternity or you may be part of another group, you are a shepherd. You get to oversee and take care of and take care of each other while you're here. And look out for one another. Don't let somebody step in sheep stuff. Don't let them make that bad decision on that night. When you know it's going to devastate them and could have big effects on their life. Grandparents, you are, you have, you're the most wise of the shepherds. And when you get invited in to give some godly advice, it is your role and duty to be there and to be available. You do not, we never retire from being a shepherd. Sorry if I'm yelling. Let me stop. I'm so excited though. We never retire from being a shepherd. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you became entrusted with the greatest story ever told. This story is a story that destroys shame and guilt. It's a story that points to where you are going, not what you were. You are not the sum of all your mistakes. You're not a mistake. You are here for a purpose. You are already cast in God's plan for partnership with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has people for you to shepherd. He says, come on, let's go. Let's go get your brothers and sisters. Let's go get them. Let's pull them out of the muck and out of the mire, out of sin and out of darkness and into the light of God. No more isolation. Introduce them to freedom and the light of the Father. So what I hope that you'll take away from today's message as we think about our role in the kingdom of God and we think about the story, the biblical story of where you sit in and how we always want to have the star role. You are the star of God's role that he has for you. He has specific things for you and I to do. 
He has specific people for us to interact with. That's the beauty of a Sunday service. We have great worship. We hear pretty good messages. But sitting all around you, there's people in here that need you. As you exit, you know, it's the race to get out to be the first to go eat wherever we eat, or is it the race to get out there and see who God has for you to meet? How friendly are we? How welcoming are we? Are there people that came in here today that didn't just come in out of obligation? I got to go to church. My wife made me. I'll sit through it. Or do you come to church with anticipation? Do you come to church that you think that you're actually going to hear something, whether it be in worship, whether it be out in the lobby, whether it be during the, the message that God himself is going to speak to us through his holy word as we are, we are pursuing his purpose? And I want you guys to think about it this week. I want you to challenge yourself on the type of shepherd that God has called you to be. Who is that person or a group of people that God has called you to be around to shepherd and not to overlord and not because they can't do it, but because that's the way he designed it. That you're not designed to do life alone. And so as we come to the table of the great shepherd, let's think about what does that look like in your life this week? Why do you care about Christmas? Why do you care about this good news? Are you anticipating it? Who would you share this good news with about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Let's go to the table together. We come to the table every week to recenter ourselves about what are we doing here? What's our role? What's my part? What's my role? Lord, remind me. I, I get reminded every week of what your role was. You went to the cross. You gave it all. What's my role? What's my role as a Christian? What's my role as a shepherd? Who do you have for me this, Lord, this week, Lord? Who do you have for me this week, Lord, that I'm going to shepherd? And who should I be looking for that is my shepherd? Yes, you. Yes, your word. Yes, prayer. Yes, worship. But do you have like an individual who's guiding you? Have you submitted yourself to the authority of someone else who's walked farther, more miles in the shoes that you're in? Where would that be? Who is that? So we get to approach the table of the chief shepherd. Amen. And he wants us to, he always wants to remind, have us be reminded of what his role was. And it's our job to understand what our role is now, thousands of years later, as we continue to share the good news of the King of Kings. So the Lord Jesus on the night he was uh, betrayed, he took that bread and when he had given thanks, he broke and he said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what my role was. Let's do that. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Remember what my role is. Let's remember what his role is. Father in heaven, I just uh, thank you for the people that you've brought into this room today. You have filled this church with your shepherds. Every person in here has influence. Every person in here is influencing people, Lord, at a certain level. Let us learn how to influence them towards you. 
Not towards ourselves, not towards our victories, but towards your victory. And you are the light in the darkness. Lord, we just ask that you would just have your hands upon us. During this season, there is no better time to talk about the good news. The date doesn't matter and all of those things, Lord. You gave your son here to be birth of a virgin. The story has been told. We come together to celebrate that. Let us celebrate it well, Lord. Let us introduce people to you. Let us be good shepherds in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.